Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, please tell me where you have laid him, and I'll go take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. It is good to be with you guys today. It has been a crazy morning already. Some of you guys, as I look around, were at the Palm Sunday service with us today and are now extremely tired. Uh, we, we worshiped hard and we got up early. That's a good combination. We want to nap right after church today. But uh, it's good to be with you guys. I, I love celebrating Easter with you guys. Uh, it's a little bit of a double blessing for me uh, because I'm back. Last week I was not here um, most of you know I was down in Florida visiting with my son and my grandbabies uh, on Palm Sunday, and so thank you to everybody who filled in some gaps for me. Thank you, Monica, uh, for taking and, and giving us the message last week. Um, but it was pointed out to me to the, this week that it seems that I always miss Palm Sunday, and it's true. I don't know why. I really don't know why. It, it, I know, it, like several years ago, for people who've been around for a long time, you remember Brett Longstreth. He was our associate pastor. Uh, he now pastors a church in Delaware called Hands of Hope. Um, Brent loved Palm Sunday. I mean, intensely, just had a passion for Palm Sunday. So, like, he was always up for sharing the word of God. But like every year, it was like, hey, do you mind if I take Palm Sunday? Yeah, no, if you got the vision for it, go for it. And so I kind of got in the habit, I think, of planning that time of year around that a little bit right before the Easter week hit. Uh, so maybe that's kind of where it is, even though Brent's not here anymore. Um, I messed it up a few years ago for those who've been around for at least four years. Uh, do you guys remember that? We uh, decided we we're going to go on a cruise, uh, my family and my son's family. And uh, it was torture trying to find a week that worked for everybody where a cruise was actually going. Did you know you, that they actually had their own schedule? Anyways, but so we worked and worked and worked and worked trying to find it. We finally found this week, and everybody agreed. And I said, is everybody sure? Because we're putting money down now. Everybody was 100% in. And um, so put the money down, uh, left AAA, did not get to my car, but my wife texted me and said, you know that's Easter, right? Uh, now I do. Yeah, now I do. Uh, so it was like the year without pastor, which is fine. God doesn't need me here. I mean, we had a guest speaker and a lot of good things happening and, and whatnot, but I did get a lot of ribbon for it. And it was kind of interesting. Um, I was over at Bure's right before Florida, uh, and I was talking to Marcella, who uh, is the, the owner and operator, and uh, I was telling her that I was getting ready to leave to, to go see Ryan. And... Uh, 
And if you guys know Marcella, she tends to speak at a different volume register than most. Is that a good way to, to put it? Uh, I have a couple of staff over here. Uh, and she just, if, if you know Marcella, you'll be able to imagine it, and it'll be even better to imagine it. But she just, like, went off on me. You better be there on Easter. <laughs> like, remembered four years ago, I went on this whole tangent, as so I promised I'd be here. So it was good to, good to be back and to celebrate Easter with you guys. What's going on over there? Scoville's? Did you? <laughs> Do it again harder. No, I'm just kidding. No. He, no, he's a good man. He can take that. Um, but, but here's the thing about celebrating Easter. I think we as a church, capital C, big church, we're really good at celebrating Easter from the perspective of the past, you know, with the pageantry and the, the, the scripture and looking at the evidence thereof of Christ's resurrection, and we're really good at seeing it from that standpoint 2,000 years ago. Uh, And we're pretty good at looking at it from a present, but not always. And I think it's really important for us to see it from the past contextually, but what does that mean today? What what does that move into today? And then I'm hoping at the end to also look at it just a little bit from a future standpoint as well. And so if I'm looking at it from a past standpoint, and I just read this particular section about Mary, uh, and if you were at the the, the um, sunrise surface earlier today, um, Jackie and I have a little bit of a different perspective on Mary's uh, heart when it comes to fear. I be- believe Mary definitely didn't have a fear of the darkness, but I do think there was a fear there. And I'll explain why as you just go through the narrative itself. She was fearful because she had no understanding of what just happened. That was the part that she was afraid of. It, it was just overwhelming. She's dealing with everything the world has told her about Christ being dead, about Christ being gone. And then she has this incredible situation that she responds to in a way that maybe if we look at it from our lens today, it'd be like, well, why, why is she so upset? Um, because from her lens, it makes 100% sense. For instance, the first thing it says is that she was at the tomb and she looked in the tomb. John really wanted to make sure we knew exactly where she was. She's at the tomb and she saw. She looked inside and she saw and there's no body. She saw the angels, but there's no body. And she didn't immediately go to, oh, he must be resurrected. He's, been, he's talked about it several times. It must be, he's always talked about third day. Hey, he must be resurrected. That wasn't the first thing that came to mind because, not because she never heard those, those stories, but because of the fear of what's happened. I don't understand this. What's going on? How do, how do I explain these things or make these things make sense in my, in my mind? And she didn't just saw, but she listened. When she saw the angels, do you guys remember, for, for those who are our guests today or maybe just been around for a little while, we've been in the life of Christ uh, specifically on Sunday mornings since at the end of last summer we'll probably be in his life for at least another year or so. And multiple times angels have shown up in Jesus' story, you know, especially in the, the Christmas narrative. We're going to see them show up. And what happens every time? People get scared. And the first words almost always have to be, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. I bring you good tidings. Whatever the case would be. It seems like it's a natural response to see angels and be afraid. Do you see that doesn't happen with Mary here? They don't don't have to say, do not be afraid. They're like, like, wait, wait, what's going on here? Why aren't you afraid of us? I mean, it's almost kind of like, we've got good news we want to share with you. But this is a different response than we're used to. And so they're they're starting to speak into her life, but she can't receive it. Because she doesn't just have fear, but she's just overwhelmed. 
She was overwhelmed. She can't even, this is outside of any kind of comfort zone that she has, of anything that makes any kind of logical sense, of anything that is possible. To the point that even when she sees Jesus face to face, she cannot take it in. She can't receive it because of fear and being overwhelmed and being outside of anything else. Natural. Natural. Until it becomes personal. Once he says her name, that's when the switch is turned. That's when she cries out Messiah. That's when she cries out Lord. That, then that moment, it becomes something personal that changed everything for her. Everything for her. That's the past. But what does that mean to us today? Are there people who are overwhelmed and are not seeing Jesus and what he has for them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Us, half the time. But definitely people are just lost in this world. And they're dealing with things that they see Jesus moving in the world. You and I see Jesus moving in the world, but they just don't recognize it. Why? Fear, anger, past hurt that they have gone through, maybe with church or with someone who considers themselves a Christian. Maybe they had a grandpa who looked great and standing up in front of the church but was abusive at home. There's all kinds of things that keep us from seeing the truth and the rawness and the beauty of our Lord moving right in front of us. In the same way, how many of us spent years maybe just listening and hearing people's testimonies and telling us the Word of God, telling us the gospel message, and we just wouldn't let it sink in? How many people do we love in our lives that we reach out to on a consistent basis who are not letting it lean in? How many of us have accepted Jesus as a leader and forgiven in our lives? Get into the Word, the Holy Spirit gives us something, and then we don't do it. We have an emotional moment, and we have tears, and then we just go back in the world, and it's just like it was yesterday. This, this is very much a response, a merry response we have in this world. And we know Jesus. We've been raised with Jesus. We've seen Jesus. But he's no more than the gardener until that switch when he calls your name personally, when you receive him personally, and then everything changes. So I think for us to take it from the past to the, the present, we have to look at what does this mean? How does this work? What, what, what is the, the benefit of making it personal? What, what is the wooing of our God that pulls us to him? And so with that, I'm actually going to go away from what we consider traditionally the resurrection story. I'm going to go to another section that you don't normally get to. So if you would, let's go ahead and get our Bibles out. And we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Um, again, if you do not have a Bible with you, there are Bibles in the baskets underneath the chairs around the room. You're more welcome to use one of those or uh, take one of those. If you need a Bible and that print is too small, because that print is really small, let me know. We'll get you another Bible. We'll get you a giant print, whatever you need. We'll help you out with, but maybe it'll buy you a little bit of time. Uh, others, if you look around on their phone or on their iPad, they are either playing video games or they're pulling up what's called version, And version is something that you can get for free in your app store. It's a national app. Uh, once you just download it and register, you can do a search for what, what they call live events. And you'll see one that says TSF and today's date. Uh, that will give you all the scriptures, place to take notes, place to put prayer requests, just ways to communicate back and forth. But all those are available to you as we go into Ephesians 1. Now, before I read this particular section, I want to, one, kind of give you the context, and two, explain its purpose for today's uh, message, our time together. I really 
like reading Ephesians once I understood Paul's relationships with the church of Ephesus. This, this is a church that Paul has started, as he has started many churches on his mission trips, and Barnabas were the first missionaries that we had. Uh, but it seems like there's a little bit of extra love, love there. He, as we go into Acts, um, you will find where he comes into Ephesus, where he leads people to the Lord, the conflicts that he comes up against. Uh, there's a period, he starts having weekly meetings. He went to a theater. Uh, so kind of the, the most context we have is if he went to a movie theater and had, would gather and teach people the word and teach people the gospel and disciple people. He raised up leaders. He started the, this leadership. And it seems like he has a big penchant of love for these folks uh, to the point that when you get to Acts chapter 20, uh, there's a time where he has left and he comes back and he has to say to the elders, listen, God's put on my heart that I'm getting ready to leave and you're never going to see me on the side of heaven again. This is our last time. I'm getting ready to be arrested. I'm getting ready to go to Rome. I'm getting ready to be under house arrest. And it, it extensively goes into the grieving and the weeping and the hugging between Paul and the leaders of Ephesus because they were so grieved by this news. Um, so him writing then this letter of instruction and encouragement uh, in some ways kind of has a feel to me as if last Sunday when I was sitting on the couch of my son's house with my grandkids watching the service on the TV, and I thought, I'm going to write these guys a letter with some encouragement and instruction because I'm never going home. That, that's the kind of feel that Paul has in these letters. So I love that. And he writes this little section in chapter 1 that, depending on your Bible and what your title is, mine says spiritual blessings in Christ. But I think if we look at this, it answers the question of what does this mean? What does it mean that Jesus is raised from the dead? What does it mean to have a relationship with him? What does it mean when I accept Jesus as leader and forgiver in my life by acknowledging with my mouth he's the son of God, believing in my heart he died and rose again, and thus be saved? What, what, what happens when I say, you're God, I'm not, and I'm leaning into you and I want to follow you, I accept your forgiveness and I am yours again and following that creation? This is the perfect answer to that. If you start reading with me in verse 3, this is what it says. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, and all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which we have set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now, if you're around, usually we do uh, what I always call read a little, talk a little, where we just read a section and we'll, we'll kind of break into it, talk about some commentary stuff, and usually try to find, you know, two or three or eight or nine points to put up on the screen for you. Um, I don't necessarily want to do that today as much as just marvel at some of the things that Paul has here and just break it up a little bit and dig into it a little bit of what it means that Christ has risen from the dead if we lean into him. Uh, and I, so I started writing down some of these, these uh, things. But before we get to them, I'll tell you what I'm going to do a, a small prayer with you. And um, 
I pray that you, you, you join him. Heavenly Father, it is this time as we get ready to dissect things that your spirit says through Paul's writings, his inspired writings, Father, through the scripture, that in this moment, you help us to hear these things anew, freshly, a new perspective, things that we might have been taught since Sunday school or been heard, talked about over and over again, and just take it in. And Father, I pray that you move your Holy Spirit in such a way that not just the forgiveness of our sins make a difference to keep those things away from being something that Satan can use as a, as a foothold to, to get us to a point that we're not really accepting your grace, but also that we're able to put away the fears, the pains, the angers, the comfort zones, the desire to understand everything um, and make it so it's logical to ourselves. There's all the different walls that we feel are unique to ourselves, but they're really not. They've been around since the beginning of time, and they continue to be used by the enemy to put up barriers between us and you. And I pray you help us just to take all those things down, at least in these next few moments, and just take in how beautiful you are. And we thank you for that, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, the, the first one I came across, I, I, I wrote down, is that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That one just really stood out to me. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. First off, just the word every. I don't think I have to go into the, a lot of commentary on the word every. That just covers everything that we are blessed with the spiritual blessings. We are made up by multiple different aspects in our lives. We talk about this a lot. There's the physical, there's the mental, there's emotional, right? We have all these, these different aspects. We, we are passionate about... Um, physical and emotional struggles at our, our church and making sure that we are a community that are educated and our different uniquenesses and how we can support each other and love each other and let people be unique in Christ and be very much loved and part of the, the tapestry of what's here. I love that aspect. Some of you guys are a little bit more uh, on board with the physical than I am. Kind of need to work on that. I did, however, help my son for four hours put together a weight set at his house while I was down there. So... <laughs> I'm done for the year. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, the phys physical health is very, very important. And, um, and one of the things that always stood up to me with Paul, like he was talking with Timothy about some of his physical needs, and he says um, physical is important, but it's not the spiritual. It's not the foundation. All these things that we consider important have no foundation if we are not with Christ spiritually. Um, and so for him to say that we have every spiritual blessing, I might not have the biggest bank account. I might not always have it together. I might feel anxious at times outside my control or depressed or lonely or whatever the case I might be going through. But I have every stinking spiritual blessing, period. Period. And that changes. I mean, we're done. I mean, it changes everything. What, what is it all about? We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in the heavenly places. So not just cheap stuff that we have in the world, but in the heavenly places, not the shortcuts that I go for a lot of times trying to get a quick fix. The heavenly places. I have everything that's in heaven. Far too often we, we throw it down to like a little prayer, and then someday I'll be in heaven, and I'll get to see people I like, 
and everything's going to be good, and I won't be hurtful anymore, and I won't be sad anymore, and I won't you know, have to worry about death anymore, I don't have to worry about taxes anymore, any of that stuff. It's all good. That's not what the scripture tells us. He says, today, right now, you are blessed with every single spiritual blessing from heaven in your life today. That's pretty good. I like that. I like that. Then another one I wrote down, some of these are paraphrased into my own words, so don't think I'm trying to rewrite the scripture. He chose us before Genesis 1 for a life that he created for us. Let me even make that better. He chose you before Genesis 1 for a life that he created for us. Before creation, you were chosen. That's what he says. Do you believe the scripture? I believe the scripture. And one of the things like Katie was talking about, I'm thrilled to death that Jesus was thinking of me on the cross. But do you know that, that it wasn't like, oh, hey, there's going to be a Tom Hype someday. It's 4,000 years before. You know what it says in the beginning? You before that. You're before that. He chose you before the beginning. We are chosen, special, um, like our children. And the reason I say special like our children is because you are uniquely special to God, just like everybody else is. And then you're like, wait a minute. Oh, that doesn't sound all that special to me. But you are. No matter how many children you have, they are uniquely special uniquely cherished, uniquely loved. You know that if you have more than one kid. If you have just one kid, you probably spoiled the crap out of them. But everybody else, we get it, right? We are uniquely, specially loved by God. We are chosen, and he has already created a life for you. And here's the thing. When we are constantly struggling, there's a real good shot if you stop and think and pray about it, it's because you're trying to do your own thing and you're not being who you were created to be. That's the most common cause for frustration. It's because I'm not me in the time he created me to be. That's why I say you're God and I'm not and I'm giving my life back to you. All I'm saying is there was a plan and I think I screwed it up. And I want to be in step with you. And then the circumstances just don't matter that much because we are holy and blameless before him. Now, a quick thing on holy and blameless. Uh, depending on your background, you might take that as a guilt trip. I'm, I've I'm, I'm never been holy. I've never been blameless. I'm a screw-up. I've done more than what God can forgive me for all this other junk that Satan puts into our heads. That's not what that's saying. What's that saying is we were created to be holy and blameless. It's the other junk that gets in the way that Satan uses to steal us back into bondage instead of freedom. That's what it means as Mary's standing in front of the tomb. Look at where all Christ has opened up to us. In love, he adopted us through Jesus Christ. In love, he adopted us through Jesus Christ. It is his purpose, his love, his will, his choice that you have the opportunity to accept him as leader and forgive in your life and be restored. That's awesome. And I've learned a lot. Um, and again, I won't go on big rants because I usually do. But for those who know us, know that both of my children had come to me through adoption. And um, I can't imagine it any other way, personally, anymore. I, I just am so, so doubly blessed. And there's so much that I have learned through my son. There's so much that I've learned through my daughter uh, and my relationship with my wife on what adoption truly is to understand how God feels about me, that he chooses to love me. 
He wasn't stuck with me because of some crazy night out there. He chooses to love us. We're his. His daughters, his sons, and that he does that through Jesus Christ is beautiful. Just beautiful. That that was the only way of redemption that didn't touch us. Um, there was a while back, this is not my original wedding ring. It used to be just plain gold. I don't like rings. I don't know about you guys. I, I wear it 90% of the time when I'm out and about. The other 10% is because I forgot it. Uh, but when I'm home, when I'm showering, when I'm sleeping, this sucker has a spot in my house that I leave this thing. And I don't know, it must have been, I'd say, 13 years ago, the original one went missing. It is not in a hotel room. Do not start your little gossip here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that there was a toddler that thought the gold was pretty and fun to play with. But we never saw it again. So there came a point that I had to replace this because Jenny says, you're mine, I'm mocking you. Okay, fine. Um, and when we were looking at different options, we had the bookstore at the time, uh, this one came up. And some people have noticed the Hebrew on it over the years, and, uh, which is amazing because half the time I have it on upside down. But, um, and they asked me what it means. And th this uh, Hebrew is from Song of Solomon or Song of uh, Songs, however you want to phrase it there. Uh, and it, 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 what it reads is this, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. And we went with that because it says a lot about how I feel about my wife and my commitment to my wife and vice versa. Um, but more than that, anybody who knows anything about Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, it says a lot about God and us. He chooses. You're his beloved. He gave his beloved because you're his beloved. And I think that's beautiful. Beautiful. He blesses us through his beloved. Uh, let me keep going. In him, okay, not in you, in him, redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our trespasses. And I'll read this a couple times for our note takers. Um, and according to the riches of his grace. So in him, there's redemption through his blood, forgiveness for our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. The reason why in him's got to be there is because it's not about you. It's not about you. All we can do is accept or reject. That's, all, that's the only thing we got. All of this is about him and you. Why is this important? Because we've got to take away the things that keep us from seeing and hearing. It is not about previous hypocrites in your life. I fully get it. And it's painful, but that's not what it's about. That's something he'll deal with and that he'll help us with. But it's not about that. It's not about how other churches have treated you in the past. It's not even something maybe happened here that hurt your feelings you haven't talked to me about yet. It's not about how much mistakes you have made. It's not. There's no such thing as us having to reinforce the ceiling because in case I walk inside the church, the whole thing's going to fall down on me. That's, that's buckus. That's the thing Satan tells us so that we don't go. It's not about how many times you tried to start again and you messed up again. None of it. It's about him. Period. Have I said it enough yet? Probably not, to be honest. Probably not. But it's all about him. His redemption that he chose through his blood. His forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, how rich he is in grace. Paul tells us here that he makes known the mystery of his will. Makes known the mystery of his will. 
I talked to so many people, and I've been there too, who build a life. They work hard, they make tough decisions, um, they're strategic, they decide the American dream is something that they want because that's what at least my generation was raised with. And they get the house, and they get the spouse, and they get the kids, and they get the dog, and they get a couple cats, and they make the right money, and they get a boat for the weekends, or whatever the case may be. And just one adulterous affair takes it all away. Just one bad decision that puts you outside of righteousness takes it away. And it's not even always your decision. The perfect spouse is not always the perfect spouse. The beautiful kids that you wanted so badly sucked in and taken down by addiction. There's so many things that take us out and we feel like everything is just falling apart behind. You know, the Bible has a little story about that. You know, the whole building on the sand and when the storm comes, we build all things on the way wrong foundation because one thing is true, storms will come. It's not, it's foundation is the only thing I got the choice on. The storms are going to happen. But if I build it on him, he makes known the mystery of his will. Then I'm building something that is strategic, that is innocent, that is shrewd, and that is lovely. That I may hear the shutters rattle a little bit, and I may hear the wind go past the front windows, but my Lord will not let it touch me. Amen? Amen. So if I'm Mary sitting in front of the the, the the, the grave wondering, what does this mean to me? What a lovely letter that he gives us. And he says the reason he did all of this is to unite all things in him through heaven and the things on earth. That's the purpose. Unity. Unity. That's what we had in Genesis 1. That's what we had in Genesis 2. It's Genesis 3 where things got a little bit messed up. And we forgot it's about me and him me and him it has to become personal it's got to be taken away from just I'm here because someone invited me it's got to be taken away because I come to church every Sunday it's got to be taken away because I happen to turn it on on internet it's, it's, it's got to get personal or it won't switch the switch will not happen um, a couple months ago and I've, I've had moments like this with you guys before. Uh, the elders, when we get together, we like to start with some scripture, and we like to, to, to read and to hodgepodge through it and see what stands out uh, to us as the Holy Spirit speaks. And this is one of those scriptures uh, that, that Angie and Chuck and I went through. And when we went through it, and we're talking about some of the different things standing out to us, like we have this morning, verse 8 is the one that caught my mind. If you still got your, your scripture open, verse 8, um, it was something about this word lavish. He's, with his riches of his grace, he lavishes upon us and his wisdom and insight. And so I, I, I said that I don't know what is really saying out, but that's what keeps standing out to me. So I kind of tucked that away for today. And I've been looking at it this week. And so I usually start where I usually start after the prayer is uh, if there's a particular word standing out, I like to understand that word. Even if it seems like we know that word, like everybody knows what lavish means, right? Uh, and some of the, the definitions jumped out was uh, overly rich, elaborate, lux luxurious. That makes sense. Uh, when it comes to his grace, 
Uh, we, we bestow something in generous quantities. I think that's probably the one most of us would say. But, but think about this one. Cover someone thickly or liberally when it comes to his grace. Over your hurt, over your fear, over your confusion, over your comfort zones. The main thing we've got to get when it comes to having a relationship with Jesus and letting it become personal and having that switch switch is this. It's not about figuring it out. It's about receiving it. It's not about figuring it out. I, I've, I've shared this as one example before um, of what I think is one of the biggest stumbling blocks that we have when it comes to people coming to Jesus. Um, and it, it's just the yeah, but type men mentality. Yeah, but, you know, I made these mistakes. Or yeah, but um, this and this is going on in my life. Um, what the case would be. And, and one of them is, yeah, but, I, but I, I want to understand all this before I accept it. You know, this has got to make sense to me. And then usually we pick the most uh, ununderstandable stuff as a reason to, to keep us from having to submit to Jesus or receive Jesus. Uh, usually, like, you know, once I understand triune God, then, then I'm in. Then you're never going to be in. I don't understand God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. My dad and I were talking about that a few weeks ago. It's like, I remember in Sunday school, they'd be like, oh, it's like an apple. You got the red skin, you got the white part, you got the cord, it all makes one a apple. You know, it's like, I think that's about the best I'm ever going to get it. That these three separate identities are so in unity, they're one God. It's a God thing. I'm not going to get that here. I don't think I'm supposed to get that here. It's just something I do. Those are the type of things that we look, that sometimes stumble people. And I was down in Tennessee as many years ago, and we were having a guy's night, so that means we were watching football because uh, we were being very stereotypical that night. And the plan was at halftime, one of the guys from the church that I was visiting was going to share a devotional um, while we got snacks and devotions. And so he did his devotion, and there was a guy there named John, and uh, John's kind of a big hawking guy, and John had questions, and John was a talker. And so he's asking these questions that were just really deep questions compared to the devotional that this guy had come up with. And so I, I watched them trying to deal with John, and that's probably the best words to use in that situation, uh, in a way where the, the attitude that came off was almost kind of like, why can't you just like stop asking so many questions, man? Why can't you just accept it for what it is and just leave it alone? So he was frustrated. They're frustrated because why? Third quarter starting. And, uh, you know, they're trying to get back to the game and stuff. So I asked John if he wanted to, to talk outside. And the, they had like a bonfire thing on that. A gorgeous, gorgeous cabin. And uh, we sat out there. And it, it, it came down to he doesn't understand creation. Like I really struggle between, you know, like what they say about... Uh, evolution and what the Bible says and how if it's six days or if it's a day was a thousand years at a time I just all this type of stuff and I was like dude I, I get it I, I know I believe the word and I know God created and I believe he created the way that he created exactly how that comes where it doesn't give us details I don't I, I'd be happy to be in heaven with you to find that out I'll be I'll sign up for that breakout group with you I mean I, that, that's great but that has nothing to do with your salvation through Jesus Christ 
It has nothing to do with what he's done for you. That has nothing to do with looking at the empty tomb and saying, what does this mean to me? It has nothing to do with my salvation. It has nothing to do with what I'm created for, what, I'm, what I should be passionate into. And he's like, yeah. And I like to say that it went perfectly for John from that then on out, but it didn't. But that night he had a, had a moment with the Spirit. And, and that was beautiful to watch, to be honest. So I guess the question for any of this is, if we're looking at Easter in the past, and, and we're looking at the present, what does it mean to you? If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.